Hello, thank you for joining us for Focus on the Bible with Dr. Freddie Coyle. Freddie is the president of Focus Evangelistic Ministries based in Danielsville, Georgia. I think he has something to ask you right now. I have a question for you. What percentage do you have of going to heaven whenever you die? No, I mean, really, it's a great question. Maybe one you've never been asked before, but it will tell a lot about where you are in your spiritual journey. So right now, if you never took another breath and died in the spot, what are your chances of going to heaven? Do I hear a 50-50 chance? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. How about a 70% chance? You think you're doing pretty well and well on the way towards doing whatever you need to do to get to heaven? How about an 85% chance? You feel pretty good, a lot better than not about your chance of going to heaven. But what if I could tell you, friend, that we could upgrade your chance to 100% and that when we make that upgrade, you would be believing what the Bible says about going to heaven. What I'm saying is that your guarantee would be backed of all things by the word of God, wouldn't that be a good upgrade to make if you could? And I think we can if we focus on the Bible today. Let's talk about this. Whatever you think your chances are, why would God let you into heaven? If you were to stand at the gate of heaven today and God looked through those bars at you and said, why should I, holy God, let you, a sinner, into my holy heaven. What would you tell him? Think about that just for a moment. What could you say to God about why you deserve to walk right into his holy heaven? Why did Jesus have to die? Doesn't he have something to do with your chance of going to heaven? And yet many people struggle to put him into the mix in the proper place. And that's why there's so many opinions about what it takes to go to heaven. Why did Jesus Christ have to die on a cross for someone to go to heaven? I mean, couldn't God have just leaned out of heaven and called down to earth? I forgive you people. And that would have been okay since after all, he's in charge. Well, no, God couldn't have done that. He wouldn't have done that because death matters. Here's why. Do you believe that when someone does wrong, they deserve to be punished? Whether it's in a school or out in life, on, out on the road or with municipal laws, when people do wrong, don't you think it's right that they have a punishment? I do too. And so does God. God is holy. He created Adam and Eve in a garden called Delightful. And in that garden, they lived in a state that we call unconfirmed holiness. They were made without sin, and yet they had never been tested. They'd never been proven. And boy, did they ever have a test that day that that serpent in all his smoothery came into that garden with silver-tongued approaches to Eve. He tricked her, he deceived her into believing a lie. And God had told Adam, In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Genesis 2.17 So from the very beginning with Adam, the punishment for doing wrong 
would be a death punishment. And friend, God has never changed his mind about that punishment. God has never substituted in some other sentence for those of us who sin. It's always been death and remains death today. God never said that what we owe him for our sin is church or membership or water baptism. God has never said the punishment that we owe him is to put enough money in the offering plate that would pay off our sin. No, no, because money is not the payment to begin with. It's death. This is where the love of God comes in. Because God loved us, he knew that we had a punishment on the table. All of us did. The Bible's very clear about this. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So each of us in our own way has proven that we really are the grandchildren of Adam. He was our father in sin. He was the first of us, but through his DNA, we all were born into sin. And then each of us proved who we were. We proved our ability in sin by our own experience. And so now each of us has come under that punishment, and that punishment is death. Jesus Christ came in all the love of God for sinners. You see, God loves sinners. If he didn't love sinners, he wouldn't have anyone left to love because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been disappointments. We all face planted. We blew it. We had a great opportunity and yet we disobeyed our creator, the one who's in charge. But God loves us. And friend, he loves you just the way you are. Right now, where you are, you are in the love of God. But now here's the truth. Even though a parent loves a child, the parent may need to punish the child. The love of God is what sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Because we had sinned and owed a punishment of death, God came that we would know he loves us and that he made a way. By paying for our sin, Jesus Christ removed the barrier that was between you and successful entry into that gate of heaven. Here's what the Bible says. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, the Bible says it very clearly. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What did it say? It said that God is commending his love toward us. To commend means to offer something. It means to offer something that you're proud of. It means that God is offering today his love for you. Here's how he showed that love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, God didn't buy some flowers, didn't give you some silver or gold. No, no, he proved it in a much more worthy way. He died in your place and mine. He took our punishment and bore it in his own body. He did it while we were yet sinners. Now here's the difference in what the Bible says and what religion teaches. Religion says that if we could whip ourselves into shape, 
if we could dot all our I's and cross our T's properly, if we could essentially become worthy enough to meet the glory of God, then we could begin to think that we might have a pretty successful chance of going into His heaven. But friend, religion is broken. We can't fix it. It never has worked, and it's not working today. If religion could take you to heaven, Jesus could have avoided what happened to Him. But there was no other way. You see, that death penalty must be paid by a righteous Savior. And there's only one of those. That Savior would have to be sinless. In effect, He would have to be God. And Jesus Christ is God. When He came to die, He came to die for our sin. This was not conditional. He didn't die for our sin on the day that we turned from all our sin. He didn't demand us to become perfect or at least well on the way before he guaranteed his love for us. No, no. The Bible says God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so now that barrier of sin that stood between you and God has been removed by a perfect Savior who came from God and is God. How many of your sins did Jesus pay when he died? I hope that you would say all of them or a 100% payment was made for me. And that would be correct. He died for all sin of all people of all time. Here's another question. How many of your sins did Jesus not pay when he died? And I hope that right now you say, well... Now that I think about it, none. I don't have any sin that Jesus didn't pay for. Very good and correct again. Now let me ask this. What percentage of your sins could condemn you if Jesus paid them all? There's a disconnect. Whenever people ask the kinds of questions that I'm asking today... Usually when one considers the answers, they don't think about Jesus' payment. They don't think about God coming, God loving, of God coming to love sinners, of God paying the price and 100% of it. Usually what people think is, what have I done to deserve that? And friend, if that is your thought today, you never will have an upgrade. You'll never increase your chance of certainty that you'll go to heaven. We need to lift our eyes off ourselves and onto what Jesus Christ did to make us worthy of heaven. Let's go to the most known verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16. And would you consider this as you hear this most familiar verse? Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when the Bible says God so loved the world, did that include you? It sure did. And how did God love the world? What did God do to show that love? Well, he came into that world as the only begotten son of God. Bethlehem was not the beginning of Jesus Christ. He is pre-existent God, the creator of all things. John 1, 1 through 3. But when Jesus came at Bethlehem, that's when pre-existent God took a human body. 
Well, if you're God and you're spirit, why on earth would you take a human body? Because he's planning to die for our sins. And if you're God and you're planning to die for people's sin, you'll need a body for that. You'll need a body in which to die. And that's the story of Bethlehem. And when Jesus was a full-grown man, he did what was his to do. This was the essence of his journey here. He didn't come to be a model. That wasn't the primary reason. That was only secondary. He didn't come just to show people how they should live. No, no, secondary again. His main reason was this. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that's every one of us. God so loved the world, that's you and me and everyone else, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So friend, what would you need to do in order to have everlasting life? You would need to believe on Jesus Christ. Please make sure to understand this. I'm not mixing words. I'm using the dominant word of scripture. When God wants someone to know they have eternal life, God uses the word believe in almost every case in the Bible. To believe in Christ means to trust him. It means to rely on him. It means that you can rest your confidence of going to heaven, not on what you've done, but in Jesus Christ himself. And if you'll do that, you have the guarantee of Scripture that you can have everlasting life. So what does it all mean for you? It means that if you'll trust Christ this moment, you'll have everlasting life forever, all based on God's holy word. He's never changed his mind. He loves you now. 100% chance of going to heaven for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Dr. Freddie Coyle. You can find out more about our ministries at www.freddiecoyle.org. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E-C-O-I-L-E.org. If you would like to send a donation to support this outreach ministry or to reach Freddie with a question or scheduling request, please write to Focus, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. We appreciate your support and hope you'll join us again for Focus on the Bible.